is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, March 29, 2023, and today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Olney, and down in Houston at a hotel just outside of Minute Maid Park, getting ready for opening day, our first broadcast on Thursday night. You got the White Sox against the Astros. Taylor Schwenk is back in Bristol along with Bruce. Stara, though, not with us today. What's up with that? Under the weather, man. She uh, she might miss her first opening day start. That would be a bummer for her. We're, we're wishing no. her well and hope she gets better. Yeah, she's definitely taking today off to recover to be in line for opening day. Would you agree with me? Yeah. I mean, Sarah Abbott is someone who, I mean, just... It, it just exudes so much joy and enthusiasm. I can't imagine her not being on the pod on opening day. No, she's going to take that cortisone shot in the ankle, and she's going to be ready to go. <laughs> All right. And I'm having a hard time today, Taylor, because, you know, I told you that it's been kind of a funky morning here at the hotel. Like, I, I've been a fully caffeinated, wired up, ready to go. It's early in the morning. Uh, and, and this morning I had a radio hit and I'm not going to do it in my room because I don't want to wake up everybody. <laughs> yep. And so I go down to the uh, lobby at the hotel here to do this radio interview in the middle of it. One of the wait staff came over and was like, we can hear you throughout the entire <laughs> lobby of the hotel because it's marble and everything I'm talking about was just bouncing off the walls. So I came upstairs, feel, upstairs feeling a little self-conscious. And as you can see, because we're taping this on Zoom, I'm locked in the bathroom. Like I, I'm like in a corner of the bathroom because I don't want to wake other people up. I didn't want to say anything about the robe and the hair dryer uh, hanging behind you. I, I just assumed that maybe you were just close to the door. But that's your biggest fear. You always say when you're on the road, you're like, ah, I don't really like to project because um, I don't want to wake other people up. So you must feel be feeling a little. I mean, I feel like that's got to be mortifying for you, honestly. It is mortifying when Tim Kirchin joined us here in a bit. I'm going to ask him about the most awkward early morning radio appearances because mine involved a security cop coming over and I think was ready to uh, call the police when I was trying <laughs> to put him off in the middle of a radio hit. I know Tim's going to have some stories about that. Um, yeah, but we we definitely dealing with a lot of enthusiasm here on the eve of opening day. On Tuesday, Luke Voigt, he just signed a one-year $2 million contract with incentives with the Brewers, did this for Milwaukee. One and one on Voigt and the pitch. Swing and a deep drive to center. He demolished that baseball way up over the batter's eye. See you later. Luke Voigt with a missile. Two-run home run. Wow. Wow. Yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers, you know, we'll see if they'll surprise people. I still can't imagine how any other team would win the National League Central other than the St. Louis Cardinals. Masataka Yoshida who looks so good in the WBC, uh, he manifested for the Red Sox on Tuesday. This one high and deep. That one hit him in a triangle. It's way back there, and that ball is gone. Wow. Yoshida cranks one, and the Red Sox take the lead 2-1. to one. That was Dave O'Brien on Nesson with that call. Alex Cora talked after the game about how that home run hit off Charlie Morton was a sign of you know how good Yoshida is in terms of uh, being able to stay back on off-speed pitches. Bo Bichette, I think, is going to have a monster year, and he had a nice day on Tuesday. The 0-1 pitch to Bo, drilled in the air out to right center field, hit pretty well. Marsh gets to the wall. It's gone! Bo Bichette with his fourth of camp. A soaring drive to the berm in right center field. Doubles the score for Toronto. 
In the last 37 games of last season, Bobachet hit 386 with 58 hits. And it just feels like he's just building off the momentum that uh, he started at the end of last season. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats, life happens live. So a bunch of deals going on as we get closer to opening day, because for a lot of players, opening day represents essentially a deadline for negotiations. Miles Michaelist got a two-year, $40 million deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, He was an all-star in 2022 for the second time. Good news for the Cleveland Guardians. Andres Jimenez and the uh, Guardians are in agreement on a seven-year, $106.5 million extension. Uh, It also contains an eighth-year option. So it's possible that Jimenez will be locked up uh, through 2031. Uh, Trevor Stefan, their reliever, also is reportedly close to working out a deal. Now, this news is not so good for the Guardians. Pitcher Tristan McKenzie uh, has a shoulder issue. He could miss up to eight weeks. The Cubs agreed to a deal with second baseman Nico Horner, three years and $35 million. And I thought this was a really cool moment the other day. Sergio Romo, who pitched 15 years in the big leagues, got three World Series rings through the final pitch of the 2012 World Series. Well, he announced his retirement. He signed a contract with the Giants. And it was Hunter Pence who actually made the pitching change. And now Hunter Pence is going to make a pitching change. So pretty cool moment there, Taylor. Yes, indeed. And I loved his hat that he had, that he had all the little kids signed during spring training. A nice touch. A uh, great way to go out. Uh, in terms of things that we are promoting today, Buster, it's basically NFL draft season. So uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing, the first draft podcast with ESPN experts Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Field Yates are keeping tabs on the latest every Wednesday. You can listen to that wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, and you can also find them on YouTube. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash buster just go to indeed.com slash buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash buster terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed for the ones who get it done granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer call click granger.com 
or just stop by. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirchner. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirchner covers baseball for ESPN. And Tim, uh, look, I know you got a bunch of TV coming up. Tell me when's the next time that we could see you. Uh, I'm doing uh, first take at 11.10 this morning. So that's my next TV hit and a couple more tomorrow and opening days tomorrow. I can't wait. Today, right. baseball fans, last worthless evening we'll ever, we have to spend tonight. That'll be You're on great. this show tonight too, right? You probably forgot about that one. Well, baseball tonight, we're taping tonight? Actually, I'm not. Uh my daughter had a baby the other day. and Oh, my coming, God. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I have two grandchildren now. Emma was born uh, late, late Monday night. So I am here to make sure today that everything goes smoothly to get the baby home, take care of our, our grandson, who's two. I just finished uh, all night with him the last two nights. So I just, Greg Colley told me we have a million guys on the show. Take care of your, your grandchild. So I will not be on tonight and that's okay. Man, that, that's such great news. It almost makes me, deflects me away from putting you on the spot, which I just love to do. Uh, you know, I was going to do that as I asked you for picks in this show, but first, before we get to that, uh, I wanted to get your experience in this regard. I, I was telling Taylor before that I went down to do a radio hit down at the hotel here in Houston. Uh, you know, it's 6.15 in the morning, east and uh, 7.15 East Coast time, because I don't like doing those radio hits where I'm yelling in my, you know, in my room and waking people up. And so I went down to the hotel lobby and halfway through that radio hit, I had one of the wait staff come over because I'm standing in the marble flooring all around me. And this wait staff, she said to me, everybody can hear everything you're saying all around the lobby. That was right live in the middle of the radio hit. It wasn't quite as bad as the experience I had in an LA hotel where I was up at 3.45 in the morning, West Coast time, and a security cop uh, in the middle of a radio hit stopped me and was like asking for my ID and making sure that I wasn't someone uh, who was just there trying to find a place to sleep. Well, when my daughter Kelly, the one who just had the baby, was 15, I drove her and her friend Vicki Lyle to Bristol from our home in Maryland because they wanted to come up and see baseball tonight. So right before I got on the Delaware Memorial Bridge, I got a speeding ticket with the kids in the back while I'm doing a radio show in Connecticut. And it was a paid radio show, so I kind of felt the obligation to do it and finish it. So the the lady cop came up to me and just I put that and I'm still on the phone talking on the radio show and I give her my uh license and ID and she comes back like 10 minutes later, I'm still on the show and I have to explain to the guys, look, I got to go now. I have to talk to the police woman because I just got a ticket while I was on the radio show and I didn't want to blow the $40 that they owed me for doing the show. So Ravi, the most mischievous show host of all time, finds out that I got a speeding ticket with my daughter and her friend in the backseat. And he somehow found the clip of me like towering in front of the lady, the lady cop saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I got my children in the back, all this stuff. Sorry. And I had to hang up the radio on the radio guys because 
I got a speeding ticket while I was doing a radio show <laughs> on the Delaware Memorial Bridge. It was awful. Yeah, that that definitely beats my uh, that beats my story this morning of someone from the wait staff. I you know it's a lot harder when you're about ready to be incarcerated when you're yeah. making those choices on live radio, Tim. No doubt about it. <laughs> All right, so I am going to put you on the spot. Uh, your favorite thing in the world? You love making picks. Uh, you love making predictions because I know you believe in your heart that every single okay. prediction that you make is going to be dead on. Correct. It's the middle. It's the end of March, Buster. Who in the world knows who's going to be in the World Series at the you know the end of October? All right, I'm going to give you my picks with the understanding: if I get all of these right, I will never ever tell you, "Hey, look, look, I got them all right at the beginning of the year." And if I get them all wrong, you're not going to hear me apologize either, because. This is the greatest part of baseball is its unpredictability. We're wrong all the time in the sport. That's what makes it so great. So I'm going to pick the Yankees to win the East. Agreed. Guardians in the Central. Yep. Astros in the West. And my wild card teams are the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Mariners. Those are my six playoff teams in the American League this year. Do you want to yell at me now or do you want to you want me to do the National League now? No, no. I only have one difference with you. And I, I you know, I think this is the second time I've done this in the last four years. I made the mistake, perhaps, of believing that the Angels are going to actually turn the corner. And I've got the Angels in the playoffs instead of the Rays, which means that I'm going to put me in the army of people who every year uh, does not believe in the Rays and doesn't uh, and doesn't understand exactly why they're great. Yeah, and I must say, Buster, I got asked yesterday, TV, radio, whatever it was, what's the one team that was a non-contender last year that has a chance to make the playoffs? And the Angels were my choice. If Shohei has that same year, the last two, Trout plays 145 games, Rendon plays 145 and swings it like we know he can, that rotation is underrated, I can make a case for the Angels to go from 33 out of first place last year into the playoffs this year. I just showed I didn't pick them, but they are the one team that I saw this spring that I actually left thinking they could make the playoffs. Um, they're that, that They could be that much better than last year. So the National League, to me, it's interesting because we landed on mostly the same teams in the American League. The National League, to me, is almost clear-cut. Like, I, I, I feel like that... You've got six teams and I have in mind, and I'm like, and it's going to take a lot for anybody to invade this group. Let's see if you and I agree on this. Yeah, I'm going in the East, and you can use almost any order here, but I'm going Mets, Braves, and Phillies all make the playoffs out of the East with the Mets winning the division. I have the Cardinals winning the Central. I have the Padres winning the West with the Dodgers as the wildcard team. So those are my six in the National League. And again, Buster, I don't know anything more than anybody else. Believe me, these are all guesses just like you're guessing. But I feel pretty confident about those six teams making the playoffs from the okay. National So tell me, I agree with you. I, I And I think there's a gap. Uh, between those six and the remaining teams, and let's put the remaining teams, uh, you know, in a in a little group, and you tell me which among these teams is the best chance of making the playoffs. You have the Arizona Diamondbacks, a team that clearly is making progress now as it moves forward. You have the San Francisco Giants. You have the Milwaukee Brewers, who uh, I mean, in recent years they made playoffs for the last six years. 
But I do think we're going to be wondering when we get to July, are they going to trade off Corbin Burns? Are they going to trade off Willie Adamas as they manage their payroll? Uh, and then in the East, I don't think the Marlins are going to make the playoffs, but they got a great pitching staff. And that's what I kept on hearing from folks in the who saw the East teams. They're basically saying the Marlins, they're going to be a tough beat in uh, you know from series to series. Which of those teams in your mind is probably closest to those top that top group of six? Yeah, I really like where the Diamondbacks are going, but I'm going to go with the Brewers to answer your question. I repeat, the Cardinals are the best team in the division. I think they're going to win the division, and I don't think the Brewers are making the playoffs. However, those front three guys in that rotation are a nightmare, and they have a fourth and fifth starter there too. I still, Buster, don't see enough offense on that team. That has been the big issue the last two years. They just don't score enough runs, and I don't see them scoring enough runs to make the playoffs this year. But that's the one team that I didn't pick that I had as my number seven team in the National League is the Brewers. All right. Um, the uh, Let's go to the major awards. Give me the National League and American League MVPs. I Well, I'm – I'm terrible at this, but I'm going to go Otani just because it took a magnificent season, a transcendent season by Aaron Judge last year for Otani not to win. Judge should have won, but I don't see anybody having that kind of year again. So Otani's going to work his magic on both sides, and he's going to win the MVP. Nationally, there are about 10 candidates. I'm going to go with Manny Machado. I think with surrounded in that lineup by all those guys in front of him, behind him, I think he's going to have a spectacular year. Yeah, and that's a perfectly reasonable pick. Not that you need to hear that from me. (laughs) But the other two guys I put in there that I I look at them like these guys could be uh, could vie for MVP. I picked Ronald Acuna Jr., who looks phenomenal. You know, two uh, you know two way star and Trey Turner. You know, coming off the WBC, the question for me with uh, Turner is just given we've seen this during the course of the career, he can get banged up from time to time. But uh, I think those are great picks. Who are your Cy Young Award winners? I I picked Shane Bieber for the Guardians. I just okay. love his stuff and I love his creativity. Comes up with a new pitch in a new way all the time. And in the National League, I'm going with Max Fried, who finished third, maybe Ooh. second in the in the Cy Young voting last year. Just another guy with a great understanding of how to pitch. And when Ray Sally Glacius gets healthy, they'll have a really good bullpen. I think they're going to score plenty of runs. There are a million candidates in the National League. I'm going with Max Fried. And rookies of the year. Um, Corbin Carroll is really impressive for the uh, – the Diamondbacks because of his speed and his athleticism, his ball, his ability to hit the ball, the gaps. I'm going to take Gunnar Henderson of the, the uh, Orioles because with all rookies of the year, you have to have an opportunity to play. Um, and both of those guys are going to play every day. So those are my rookies of the year. Yeah. So going into spring training, I thought without a doubt among the six major awards, maybe besides Otani, the easiest choice was Gunnar Henderson for American League Rookie of the Year. I will say, Tim, I know how our business works, and knowing how much attention Anthony Volpe is going to get this year, that's going to put him a leg up. I mean, as we start, because I think there's just so much focus given how important he is the Yankees and all the inevitable comparisons you're going to hear between him and Derek Jeter. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I I would pick Volpe and be more than comfortable with it. That kid has something about him that's a little different. 
He came into spring training. They told him, look, you're going to compete for a job. His first live batting practice, he hit one on the first pitch over the batter's eye against Carlos Rodon. And then the second pitch he hit over the left field fence. This is live BP buster. Hitters take forever to figure out how to do that in spring training. He was ready right away. And uh, Rodon looked at his manager and said, well, it looks like he's going to kick the door down right now. That's what the kid did early in spring training. He has been spectacular. And we know this, Buster, the Yankees' biggest issue the last few years, especially in October, is they don't score enough runs. They don't find enough ways to score runs. Maybe, maybe he will give them another dynamic offensive player. Yeah, he's dynamic potentially on offense. He's dynamic in how he runs the bases. And this was yesterday when the Yankees were facing the Nationals. This is what he did on defense. And Luis Garcia will send one to short. What a play yet again. My goodness. Anthony Volpe putting it all on display here today. It's special. Great first first step right there. Layout catches. So I mentioned to you, Tim, we're going to read comparisons to between he and Jeter all year because of the age at which they debuted, you know, being a number one pick, having the it factor that you and I talked about. I'd say right now uh, he's a better defender than Derek ever was. That play going up the middle he made yesterday going to his left was not a play that Derek made. Well, and the other thing about him, Buster, is he can play second base also. Now, you don't need him to play second base at the moment, but it's not out of the question that someday, maybe soon, Peraza's the shortstop on that team and Volpe's the second baseman on that team. Not out of the question they could go there, but he's a shortstop and he is wildly athletic. I saw him make a play in spring training. I just shook my head thinking, 21 years old, 22 games at AAA, this kid is ready. So yesterday we get the news that the uh, Guardians, uh, you know, are going to potentially sign this uh, group of players, young players, to extensions. And what's, what was interesting about this, Tim, is that, you know, there were a lot of references on social media to the fact that, hey, the, the, the Cleveland is following the blueprint that uh, you know, was put together by the Atlanta Braves in terms of signing their young players. I think Cleveland was the first team to start doing that, right? In the early and mid-90s with that yes. group of players that they had there? Yes, John Hart was the one behind that, saying we got to lock these guys up long-term and not let them get away. But here they are, the Guardians again. Andres Jimenez is a really, really good player, Buster. I I did a radio show yesterday, and one of the guys said he's the best second baseman in baseball. I haven't even thought, is that true? But all I know is when he was with the Mets, one of their coaches told me, wait till you see this guy play defense. He is sensational. He is a magician. But there was no talk of whether he was going to hit or not. And I just, I thought it was implied he's a great defender. Well, he can really hit. And he had a great year last year. And now he's got over $100 million. And I think it's money well spent because that kid can really go. So the Braves, uh, and we mentioned them before in the podcast, you know, they're dealing with all these injuries. Kyle Wright is going to start the year on the IL. Uh, He uh, has had uh, some shoulder weakness during the course of this spring. He had a cortisone shot back in January. Uh, The Braves, you know, the team that won 101 games last year, they won the National East. They're going to start the year with Jared Schuster, former number one pick, and Dylan Dodd in their uh, rotation, five starting pitchers for a team with a lot of success in recent years. And yet you're going to have two rookies starting the rotation. What do you make of that? 
Right. And as you know, Buster, they were probably eight and nine on the depth chart for the Braves coming into spring training. Ian Anderson was supposed to grab one of those jobs and a few others, and it didn't happen. Now, those kids have good arms. We all know that the Braves, you know, really do well developing young pitchers and they do have Freed and Strider and Morton in that rotation. So I think they'll be fine, but I'm with you. I think it's a bit of a red flag. They're going to start a season with two rookie starters and they're going to start, you know, without their shortstop. I'm a little bit confused still how they never really made a really big effort to keep Dansby Swanson and you lose Freddie Freeman, Dansby Swanson back to back years. Uh, that's hard to do. I, as I said, I still think they can win the division. I'm certain they're going to the playoffs, but uh, there are a couple holes there that they haven't had in a while. The other day, JT Realmuto, the all-star catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, was ejected in what, I mean, the first, the first glance at it was like, what the heck is going on there? Where the first video you saw of it was JT, as you see catchers do often, sticking his glove out, uh, anticipating a ball from the home plate umpire, Randy Rosenberg, and just as Rosenberg goes to slam the ball into his glove, JT moved his glove, the ball hits the ground, and Rosenberg ejects him. And, Tim, I thought for sure there had to have been greater context to this. That maybe JT said something that made the umpire mad. What happened was the pitch before that, or the, the moment before that, Craig Kimbrell was called for a pitch clock violation, veteran reliever. His body language, clearly he was annoyed with what happened. He got a baseball, and then he threw that baseball out. He asked for another baseball, and that's when Rosenberg turned to give a ball to JT. JT moves his glove. He gets kicked out of the game. And as he's walking off the field, Tim, with this bemused smile on his face, and you know his personality, he's very understated. He looks at the crew chief of that umpiring group and said, my first ejection of my career. I don't know how you land anywhere else other than this umpire just blew it, Tim. Yeah, look, as you know, Buster, I'm a big umpire guy. Those guys are way better than we think. But Randy Rosenberg made a terrible mistake, and he's a young umpire, and there's absolutely no way that JT Real Muto should have been thrown out of that game for what he did. I thought it was the most harmless thing in the world. You know, Rosenberg had thrown a pitch back to the pitcher, so it just looked, and Real Muto just figured, all right, that's going to happen again. Um, I don't understand that, and I thought Rosenberg should have just owned it and said, look, I made a mistake, all right? I shouldn't have thrown him out of the game. It's not going to happen again because that's the best way to get out of something like that. Yeah, I, you know, if he were to ask me my advice, and, and he's not going to, I would tell him, look, find some way to communicate with JT, get word to him, and follow the the example of Jim Joyce after he blew the perfect game uh, you know, in Detroit with Galarraga, just admit that you made a mistake. And I think you do that sooner rather than later. Yes, Tim? I agree. Saying sorry goes a long way to me, for me. And if you say somebody, I made a mistake there, won't happen again, you just move on. But you don't move on when you don't even acknowledge that what you did was probably out of bounds. All right, before you get your World Series pick, I want to ask you about the Orioles' decision to send Grayson Rodriguez to the minor leagues. Uh, their uh, general manager, Mike Elias, head of baseball ops, he was clearly annoyed by the questions that he was being asked by reporters about, hey, if uh, Rodriguez is considered to be one of the best pitching prospects in baseball, if he had been with the team the whole year, that the Orioles potentially could stand to, to gain an extra pick in the draft. And Elias 
ran through what he had done in spring training and it mentioned, uh, you know, that he had had some struggles and they're going with the best guys. Tim, here's the problem, uh, you know, and Grayson Rodriguez you know, did not have a sterling spring. Far from it. He had like seven walks and 15 innings. It felt like each of the last three starts, he had one really bad inning. Uh, Tim, I think this is collateral damage from four years of tanking. Look, you can't for four years, uh, you know, pretend that you're actually competing when you're designing a team that you mean to lose games so you can save money for the ownership and you can pick at the top of the draft and then now say, hey, it's all about winning. I, the, you know, when you create that situation, that's why media members, that's why fans, some fans, that's why even players are wondering exactly what the motive is. You know, Jim Palmer tweeted out, uh, I think it was yesterday, all Grayson Rodriguez had to do to make the O's was pitch well, and he didn't. Tyler Wells won six straight in 2022. He's no slouch. The media is trying to stir up controversy, but Mike Elias made the right move. How about a good April for the O's? And Jim Palmer, you know, as good as an announcer we've ever seen, Tim, but I, I kind of shrug my shoulders and say this is the, the dynamic that the Orioles have created by the way that they've handled this the last five years. What do you think? Yeah, well, in a lot of ways, Jim Palmer's right, and I really hesitate to disagree with him with all the great conversations I've had with him for the last 40 years. But, And I know Grayson Rodriguez's ERA was about nine this spring, and I know you have to prove yourself coming out. However, when you're the Orioles and you've got people jazzed about the team based on what happened last year, and then you didn't do that much in the offseason to make the team better, just imagine the excitement if Grayson Rodriguez started that first series at home uh, for the Orioles. It, it, people would forget, and probably he would forget, how he struggled in the minor leagues, uh, I mean, in spring training. I would have let him start the season with the team, but I understand Jim Palmer. I understand Michael Elias. But when you're trying to build something, the best thing to do is have your best players there on opening day. The team looks around and goes, look, we're really trying to win now. That, that means a lot to me. In his first 14 starts in AAA last year, he had an ERA of 2.20, 21 walks and 69 and two-thirds innings, just two home runs allowed, 97 strikeouts, and yet they held him in the minor leagues, okay? So they couldn't possibly say last year that was about winning, and now they're saying it's about winning and they want you to believe it. That's a problem. All right, Tim. Uh, thanks for doing this. Always great to talk with you. All right. And stop talking in the hotel lobbies. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. That's VividSeats.com today, code BASEBALL. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. 
That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Tampa Bay Rays. Every year, it seems like the baseball world asks, how do the Rays do it? How do they keep winning despite carrying one of the lowest payrolls in the majors? And they just keep on winning. Despite inhabiting the rugged AL East, they've made the playoffs each of the last four seasons, including 2022 when they went 86 and 76 with the 23rd highest payroll in the majors. Newcomers. As the Rays' superlative front office manages payroll, Tampa Bay continually turns over the roster. In this winter, that meant signing right-hander Zach Eflin to the largest free agent deal in club history. Three years, $40 million, which is less than what Justin Verlander will make this season with the Mets. Gone, but not forgotten. Center fielder Kevin Kiermeyer walked away as a free agent, as did catcher Mike Zanino and first baseman G-Man Choi as well as pitcher Corey Kluber. Lefty Ryan Yarborough was not tendered a contract. The X Factor. Wander Franco is widely viewed as a rising star, but his ascension was slowed by injuries last season. He was limited to just 83 games in the regular season and six homers. A full and healthy season could look very different. Tampa Bay ranked 21st in runs scored last year and still made the playoffs. With a healthy Franco, a confident Randy Rosarena, the Rays could make a big jump in run production. Fault lines. We know this about Tyler Glass now. When he pitches, he's among the best arms in baseball with his remarkable athleticism. He had a 2.66 ERA in 2021 before blowing out his elbow, and upon his relatively rapid return from Tommy John surgery in 2022, he had two really good appearances at the end of the regular season. But this spring, he suffered an oblique injury and will start the season on the injured list. The Rays' playoff chances may hinge on how many starts he makes. The Baseball Tonight Podcast win projection. Pakoda pegs the Rays with 86.6 wins, close to what they did last year. Sarah Lang says 88. Hembo says 88. I say 88. We have a consensus. This is the numbers game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing today? I am doing great because the opening day is tomorrow. I cannot wait. It is bright sunshine. I hope it is like that in all 15 cities of the game tomorrow. I want everyone to play tomorrow for the first time on the opening day since 1968. I'm just so, so excited. Yeah, you hear all the happiness in Sarah's voice. She's having a great time. Opening days are on the corner. On the other hand, our resident Orioles fans... Taylor Schwenk, as I was talking to Tim Kirchin, he was like raising his hand on the Zoom call. I have something to say. I've got a rant. So, Sarah, we're going to have to interrupt your segment for just a second because Taylor has some stuff he wants to get off his chest. Buster, the whole Grayson Rodriguez thing, not surprising me, really rankling me. Uh, Michael Elias being indignant about people questioning his decisions, like how dare us Orioles fans, you know, want a quality product and, and not to be really be lied to. Um, I mean, first of all, Grayson Rodriguez had a subpar spring. Like, we get it. But this is coming off an injury where he got hurt in the minor leagues. We're going all the way back to last season where 
he should have been up in the major leagues. Who knows if he gets hurt in the majors, but he got hurt in the minors when he should not have been there. Okay, so even if he's not playing well, and you kind of expected this, you know, he didn't play, I guess he didn't play all that great in the minors, you know, when he got, when he came back, whatever. You upgrade your rotation in the offseason. Guess what the Orioles didn't do? They didn't upgrade their rotation in the offseason. Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin are fine, but they're not significant upgrades. So, you know, you, to say like, oh, you know, these other guys, they pitch better. Like, this is something you should plan for. If you're worried about your prospects not playing up to expectations or, you know, thinking about that they, they might not at some point, then you plan for that. Okay. They, they did not do that. So, you know, him saying that, oh, you know, he's not playing up to expectations and the best guys are going to make the roster. That doesn't make any sense because then Jordan Westberg would be on the roster over Adam Frazier. It doesn't make any sense. And then for him to go on and say, oh, I don't like the conversation. And, you know, he's upset that people are questioning his credibility. He has no credibility. He started the conversation by manipulating service time. He held Adley Rushman back by a year. They messed around with Gunnar Henderson last season. I mean, this is insane. This is absolutely insane. It, two things can be right at the same time. Grayson Rodriguez might not deserve to be in the, the majors right now, but he 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 is causing, he's the one who created the issue in the conversation. I don't understand it, man. Like Adam Frazier is not better than Jordan Westberg right now. I'm sorry. He's not. So to say it's performance related is insane. Okay. And, <laughs> and yes, at the trade deadline last year, trading away two veterans, adding nothing. Oh when you're God, right in the middle dude. of the wild card race. It's exhausting. They missed the playoff by three games. They didn't significantly upgrade the roster. He said it's it's time for liftoff or whatever. It was clearly not time for liftoff. Don't say things like that if you don't mean it. it like, like it, we can... There can be a plan in place. You want to follow through with the plan, but don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. It is enraging. We are not stupid. Like to treat the fans with such contempt. I mean, we're the ones feeling the business. We're the ones who want to consume the product. It's okay to have a, like you're clearly a smarter baseball guy than the average fan than I am. And, and that's great. But like, don't treat us like morons. Come on, man. Well, and the Orioles, thank you for your, for your business. I saw in Forbes, they're one of the most profitable teams in baseball. They made $67 million of profit. They spent none of it. <laughs> none. What are we doing? Oh. oh, man. Sarah, how are you going to follow that? I have no idea, but I want to know, did you watch that Tiller Twelman rant? As I, you're prepped for this because the what are we doing? Very similar to when the U.S. missed the World Cup, and Taylor Twelman went on that rant on Sports Hour. So, very well done, Taylor. I, I mean, I didn't know you had this side of you. It's funny that you, uh, you say that because I have this queued up. What are we doing? That's SVP doing his finest Taylor Twelman impression. What are oh, we doing? Man. What All are right. we doing? So, <laughs> All right. So, Sarah, uh, before we get going and playing the numbers game, I want to get your picks. Let's run through quickly. Give me your three division winners in the National League and your three wild card teams. Uh, so, in the National League, I have, I'm going to stick with what I've been saying. So, I've got the Braves, I've got the Cardinals, and I'm. Still so torn on the NL West, but I'm going to go with the Padres there. And then my wildcard teams, I have the Dodgers, the Mets, and the Phillies. I think these teams, in some order, will be everybody's pussy teams, with the exception of maybe some people. 
thinking birds over the cardinals, but uh, I see a difference there, and I'm going with the cards in the NL Central. It really does feel like the National League is pretty solid six, where we can really separate them from the others. What about in the American League? So in the American League, we'll start with the easiest pick, which is the Astros in the AL West. I have the Guardians repeating in the AL Central. I do think the Twins will be close. It was close last year. And, I mean, I was talking with Mandy Bell about this yesterday or the day before. I have no sense of time. Uh, but I think that that division could really come down to one bad injury. As awful as that is to say, I just think those two teams are so close, even if they're very different. And the Twins are better than last year, but I am picking the Guardians to repeat. I mean, Hall of Fame manager in Terry Francona, and I think a big year from Jose Ramirez. And then they, at least I do have the Yankees. Uh, I obviously have a lot less confidence in them overall than I did maybe two or three weeks ago with the pitching injuries that they've had with Luis Severino now out and obviously Carlos Fredon missing time. But overall, I do think they are the best team in that division. I have the Blue Jays making the Mariners coming back into the playoffs. And then I do have the Rays. I don't think this is a year where we've come to expect where, oh, the Rays are going to totally wow us and win 10 more games than we're expecting. I think they're good. I'm not sure they're that good this year, but I've talked about Wander Franco. I think he's very underrated at this point just because we haven't seen him play all that much. And I do think he'll be a key component for them this year. Yeah, I would agree. And I forgot to get Tim's World Series pick before he goes, so I'm going to have to pin him down next week. <laughs> what about for you? Who you got winning the World Series over who? So on uh, talking with Mandy the other day, I came to this Padres-Yankees idea that I think I'm going to stick with. I think the Yankees finally make it back to the World Series but I'm going to go with the Padres because I love the idea of a team finally winning it. And I know picking the team that had one of the best offseasons in the Padres is usually a no-no because we know the offseason winner doesn't usually win at all. But that team is so loaded, and I really think this could be the year for them. Yeah. Um uh, and I feel better about my pick because I got the Padres winning the World Series as well, but I have them beating the Astros. What you're telling me is you think the the Yankees can finally overcome the Astro Mountain that they seem to have like uh, in front of them, and I I don't know if I'm that confident. You know, it's more because we've seen and we saw last year that the postseason really comes down to being a tournament, almost like March Madness. And I right. agree that on paper overall, the Astros are still better. But I think that this is a different Yankees team. I love the addition of Anthony Wolby being on the opening day roster. And I just feel like Every year that they lose to the Astros, that fire gets fueled even more. And I feel like this is the year they finally overcome that. Again, in a seven-game series, not necessarily over the course of 162. But when you get down to it, it comes down to those seven games in October and anything can happen. All right, let's play the numbers game. 
Number three. Number three is 21. So talking about Anthony Volpe, he's going to be 21 years and 336 days old on opening day. We have talked about this. I've talked about this. And it's so exciting that it's going to come true. He will be the youngest Yankee to start on opening day since Derek Jeter in 1996 at 21 years and 281 days old. Volpe grew up in New Jersey. Born in New Jersey, just like Jeter has talked about. Growing up with Jeter being his favorite player, which is probably true of like 98% of baseball fans from that era. But it's just incredible to see that kind of poetry in motion. Really highly touted shortstop prospect coming up and being the youngest since Jeter really changed the tide of the Yankees back then in the 90s. He's also going to be the fifth youngest to make his MLB debut on opening day for the Yankees. Jeter had debuted the year before. The only guys younger than Anthony Volpe to debut for the Yankees on opening day. Mickey Mail in 1951, Ben Chapman in 1930. Joe Pepto in 1962 and Frankie Cressetti in 1932. Anytime I am comparing you historically to Jeter and Mantle, you're already off to a good start with the Yankees. Number two. Number two is 20. So if Anthony Bullby sounded young, get a load of Jordan Walker, will be 20 years and 312 days old on opening day. You and I talked about him on the podcast maybe three-ish weeks ago when he was really tearing it up in spring training. And he will indeed be on the opening day roster. So only one Cardinal since 1900 has made his MLB debut on opening day at a younger age than Walker will be tomorrow. It was Steve Carlton in 1965. He was 20 years and 111 days old. And this is how long ago that was. The game that he pitched in in relief ended in a tie due to darkness after 11 innings. I don't think that's going to happen for Jordan Walker. But again, we've talked about how incredible it is for a 20-year-old to be on the Cardinals roster. Even though we've seen 20-year-olds in the majors, recently the Cardinals have not had one since Rick and Keel in 2000. And they haven't had a position player that young since David Green in 1981. Number one. Number one is eight. So we were discussing at the top, and I've alluded to plenty. I'm very excited for opening day. We have a really fun game on ESPN with the White Sox and the Astros, but across the board in the 15 games on opening day tomorrow, there are eight pitchers who have won at least one Cy Young Award will be on the bump for their various teams. That will be the second most former Cy Young winners to start on opening day in their team's first game of the season in a single year. The only year where there were more was 2016. There were nine. 
Zach Greinke, David Price, Jake Arrieta, Corey Kluber, Justin Verlander, Dallas Keuchel, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, and Felix Hernandez. Now, 2016 was a pretty incredible year for baseball. The Cubs finally ended that drought, won that World Series in seven games in exciting fashion. So I love that we're already comparing this year to that. I feel like that really portends something cool coming. All right, so we got a bunch of bleacher tweets for you, but I got to hold off on those. Uh, another radio hit, so I'm going to be running here. Um, but Sarah, uh, thanks for doing this, and thanks for uh, wading through Taylor and letting him fully vent. I think that people around him will be much better for it for the rest of today. They'll feel a lot healthier. So Taylor, would you agree? We got you. Got to join me in thanking Sarah. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. And um, I, I just have to say my wife texted me. She said that was a legit, a little frightening from upstairs. So I'm sorry to my wife, Courtney. Oh, my goodness. That is amazing. And you know what? We need Sarah Abbott here for a Taylor's version, which I feel like there was a begging <laughs> for that to be said. So thank you both. Detroit Tigers. The Tigers had hoped to see a step forward last season, and instead, there was regression, with Detroit sinking from 77 wins in 2021 to 66 last year. Al Avila, the general manager, was fired and replaced by Scott Harris. Newcomers. The Tigers added veterans to their pitching staff through mid-level free agent investments. Matthew Boyd returns to Detroit, and by all accounts, he's looked good this spring. The Tigers signed Michael Lorenzen, Trevor Rosenthal, and Matt Whistler. Gone, but not forgotten. Detroit capitalized on the value of all-star reliever Gregory Soto, swapping him and infielder Cody Clements to Philadelphia for infielder Nick Maton and outfielder Matt Vierling. Fault lines. Miguel Cabrera enters what is expected to be the last year of his career, following a season in which he played in just 112 games. Cabrera hit five homers in 433 plate appearances and had a 317 slugging percentage. Manager AJ Hinch will have to find the right balance between giving the future Hall of Famer a proper send-off and getting production from a power position. And a lot of that will depend on how healthy Cabrera is. Breakout star. Spencer Torkelson was the first overall pick in the 2020 draft. And after not playing any minor league baseball in that first pandemic season, he jumped to the big leagues in 2022 and struggled, hitting 202 with an adjusted OPS plus of 77. Torkelson is 23 years old and he's looked better this spring. The Tigers are obviously fully invested in, in giving him every chance to succeed. And center field will be manned by Riley Green, the team's number one pick in the 2019 draft. The X Factor. Boyd is an interesting investment. He signed a one-year, $10 million deal after he spent most of 2022 recovering from a flexor tendon repair. And in this spring, he has 21 strikeouts and just three walks allowed in 13 innings. Boyd will be eligible for free agency again in the fall. And if he's productive, the left-hander presumably will be a candidate for a midseason trade in a year in which the Tigers are not expected to contend. The Baseball Tonight Podcast win projection. Paul Hembikiti says 70 wins. I think he's too optimistic. I've got them for 65, as does Pakoda. Sarah Lang says 64 wins for Detroit. Bleacher Tweets.
Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a Wednesday opening day eve. Amy Chapman, and she writes in, hey, who's the new team member, Bruce, at the Baseball Tonight Empire? And uh, Bruce is a, I don't know Bruce's official title, but uh, he is new-ish to the ESPN podcast team. He's been putting together all those wonderful team preview capsules that you've been listening to all uh, spring training. So he's been doing a wonderful job with those. Um, you know, he, he kind of floats around uh, helping me as needed. He's a, he's a big presence on the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorse. Um, he does a little fantasy-focused football. And uh, yeah, Bruce, all-around good guy. Big music lover and a great mustache on that man. Well, and one question I've got for him, I always love to, when we get people on the podcast is asking the question, you know, who was your team growing up and who was your guy? Who was the player you rooted for? We got to do that with him next time he comes on. I believe he's a big Boston guy, but we'll, we will ask him the next time he's around. Okay. Let's go to uh, Travis at here for FRL. He writes in, why do you say Otani is his own insurance policy? I understand the marketability is there regardless if he's hurt or not, but if he gets hurt on one side of the ball, you're still paying him 60 plus million for a guy to play the other side of the ball. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the reason why I say he's essentially is a built-in insurance policy is that if you don't get production on one side of the ball, you still could get it on the other. If he gets hurt, uh, you know, pitching, let's say that, uh, you know, God forbid he were to suffer an injury in year one of his next contract, uh, you know, that keeps him, prevents him from pitching. He still is a top 10 hitter. <laughs> so it's not like you're not going to, it's not like you're, you know, you're not going to get any production. Uh, look, we, you know, for example, this spring, we saw Andrew Painter. He, he went out, he's on the injured list. He's dealing with an elbow issue. Phillies aren't getting anything out of him. If he was Otani, if he could hit like Otani, He'd be in the lineup. Teddy Wilson at report by Wilson writes and growing up, I attended many Astros games in the Astrodome and he'll be taking his kids to their first Astros game this summer. And uh, he said, among my favorite memories of summer baseball were after day games, crossing the street, riding roller coasters at Astro World. As you're at Houston this week, the Astrodome remains unused and in disrepair. Astro World long gone. Uh, he's asking, do you have any favorite memories of the Astrodome baseball or otherwise? And what do you think should be done with the former eighth wonder of the world? Yeah, I just remember when I was covering the Padres and went in there for the first time. Uh, I love the idea that you're actually going to play a game as you hear the uh, torrential rain outside. You know the thunderstorms that we would sometimes uh, get in, sometimes get in Houston, uh, especially in the early evening. So that uh, that was cool. I do remember lots of rats when I would walk <laughs> from the visiting clubhouse down to the field. It would go underneath the stands. Uh, that's something stuck out with me. And look, the question of what you do with it, I think it's sad. I, I My perception is that a lot of this is who's going to bear the cost of tearing it down because mm. no one uses it. If no one uses it, then you should just use the space for something else. Hillel Armbar and Kreef at Hillel New York Yankees writes in the, the Yankees seem to be among the most injured teams every year. A few years back, they hired Eric Cressy to change it up. Yet their excuse for not winning each year is we were banged up. Is it their training staff? Is it their players? What the heck is happening? So we have to remember, too, that some of the guys who uh, seem to have injuries every year have actually been more healthy in recent seasons. John Carlos Stanton uh, has been on the field more often and Aaron Judge. Right. It feels like that he's made some physical adjustments. And I would say this about the Yankees. I'm not saying that, you know, because I, I look, it, it would take an expert to drop in and say whether or not they're doing something wrong with their training. But I would say this. The Yankees are incredibly conservative when it comes to dealing with injuries. Uh, for example, Carlos Rodon, when the Yankees 
uh, you know, found out about his elbow discomfort. They did an MRI and they shut him down. And Rodon's response to them was, look, I pitched with this sort of thing in the past. And the Yankees are, nope, we're not doing that. We're going to make sure that we give you the best chance to be ready in October. There you have it. Alan Hickman at Alan L. Hickman writes in, enjoying a buster bar at Dairy Queen while pondering this. Why does the catcher initiate a round the horn on third out strikeout? I remember a time the catcher just rolled the ball to the mound. I ate your namesake too quickly. Brain freeze. (laughs) I don't know when it started exactly who started. I think in winter ball. Uh, When I went down there once, I saw catchers doing that at the end of the inning. I remember Roberto Perez when he was catching with the Guardians, he liked to do that. Just uh, just another way to have energy. And I do wonder with some catchers, it's like, you know what? I'm going to take the baseball off the field because maybe it might have some sticky stuff. Mm. Lucas at Enriquez Ducoin G with uh, the Reese Hoskins injury. Should Major League Baseball consider canceling spring training in the future? Lucas asking the tough questions. Oh, Lucas is being facetious. <laughs> He's just making a point about the WBC because yeah. there were people who were like, and the WBC, it's got to be over because guys get hurt. So, I, Lucas, your point is taken. Corey Ruckert at Corey R underscore 12 writes in, what is the best not obvious thing about opening day for me? It's all the great starting pitching matchups. I just love the optimism, right? Uh, Everyone's batting average is perfect. Uh, Everyone's ERA is perfect. No one's had an issue. Uh, You know, the people who are on rosters are, are, uh, you know, they're they're, they're looking forward and anticipating a strong season. And I, I just love that about the first day of the season. Even if your team is bad, like that first day, you're you're fired up no matter what. Slate at Slate 2130 writes, and what are your thoughts on why the Reds haven't taken the same approach as the Braves when it comes to locking up their young stars on team-friendly deals? Feels like India should have gotten a long-term contract after wishing, winning National League Rookie of the Year to secure his future. Yeah, and as I talked about with Tim, that's what the Guardians are doing, and I think it's the way to go. Um, I mean, let's face it. It's not only the front office that's involved in these decisions. It's ownership. And if you get a guy and Hunter Green comes to mind, you get a guy that you think is going to be a star uh, going off for the foreseeable future. You should do everything you can to lock up that player because they're only going to get more expensive. But they may have already missed out on their window to sign him. Sign Adley Rutschman. Yeah. Uh, Last one for today. Adam Smith at Hangar. For uh, who is your OMG, where did this kid come from player of spring training 2023? So I feel like I'm Captain Obvious. I definitely think it's Volpe. I mean, just watching him in spring training, you know, having conversation with him, hearing the, you know, the it factor that he has in his voice, you know, he's going to be a guy. And I remember last year, I'd heard a lot about Spencer Strider in spring training. And then we saw him in a relief outing on opening night. And it was like, wow. <laughs> Like seeing that fastball and you knew he was going to have a great year. Alrighty, that does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. We will be back tomorrow and Friday, so keep them coming, everyone. Woo-hoo. That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, Bruce, and Taylor. Hopefully Sarah Abbott is feeling better and we get her back on. And, and uh, all, you know, as you said, cortisone shot, painkillers, anything required to have her on for opening day. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.